Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Memphis, Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 32. We're in the middle of the second paragraph that begins, out came his carpet slippers in a bottle, and we'll be reading and commenting through the end of the paragraph, which ends, was dead within four years. Today's readers, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Laurie C., the 12 traditions, Terry J., the readers of the text, Nancy C., Christine C.G., Dara L., our newcomer greeter is Kathy M., and our second hour host is Janice P.M., the share IDs for yesterday, Tuesday, October 4th, 2022, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,478. That's 19478. And for the 10 a.m. Meeting, it's 19,479. That's 19479. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lori C. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Lori C. Can you, can I be heard? Yep, you're good. Thank you. Lori C. from Virginia, recovering. These are the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made, it, made direct amends to such people whenever, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you, Lori C. And I'll now ask Terry J. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, fellow travelers. This is Terry J. in Michigan. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. It is my pleasure to serve. Have a great day. And thank you, Terry J how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery, <clears throat> excuse me, described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 32 in the second paragraph, beginning with the eighth sentence that begins, out came his carpet slippers, through seven sentences, ending in, was dead within four years, and comments on those 
seven sentences. And I'll now ask Nancy C. to please begin reading. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you. My name is Nancy C., gratefully recovered in Ann Arbor, Michigan today. Out came his carpet slippers in a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital meantime. Then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problems, which money could buy, were at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. Wow. Um, back it up, just one, one sentence saying um, that he could drink like other men. Um, what other man, woman, child would pull out carpet slippers and a bottle, or in my case, a couple of pints of Ben and Jerry's and several bags of chips and whatever and sit on a couch and think that that was um, like normal people, like other men. I was not normal. I'm a distinct entity, and this book has showed me that. Um, as we're learning in this um, chapter, step one, that we're powerless over alcohol, that I have a disease. I have a disease that, disease that I am physically allergic to certain substances, and once I put them in my body, I kick off this mental obsession. And the man of 30, how he stopped for so many years because he knew that he needed to be successful, but always having that dangling thing out there that when he retired, he could start drinking and drinking like other people. He drank in isolation, just like I did. I ate in isolation. I didn't want anyone to bother me when I was drinking or when I was eating. I wanted to be by myself because I controlled everything. And from my little couch with all my little crumbs all over my chest and everywhere else, I controlled the world and I decided who should be doing what, how they should be doing it and where they should be doing it. And then I got in trouble. I was in trouble then. I didn't realize it. But all of a sudden when I went for help, there was nobody to help me because I was too prideful to say I had a problem. I would rather sit hide and eat and fix it myself. Tomorrow I won't pick up. Tomorrow I won't go to Starbucks and get those um, two, um, two chocolate chip cookies that would set me off. And every morning I would wake up and doing the same thing because what did the man of 30 do? What did I do is I failed to enlarge my spiritual life. I was in control. My self-sufficiency, my pride, my need to be self-reliant just killed me. And that's the disease, the disease telling me, you don't need anybody else. This guy had money at his disposal, could do anything he wanted and couldn't get it because he was so prideful. He had been very successful. He wanted to see a drunk. You know, I was so successful. How could I go out and ask somebody to help me? My pride stood in my way till I was finally at my knees and couldn't do anything else. And today I know that this is a WE program. I need each one of you guys to keep me abstinent today and keep me on the right path. I need to be humble instead of prideful. I need to ask for help. I need to say I don't know. I need to be God-reliant instead of self-reliant today. This program has given me the steps to be able to do that. 
And when I can get out of my own way and ask for help and put away my pride and really say, I don't know, and please help me, God, my life has changed. I have been totally rearranged from the inside out. My life is exactly as it was, thank you, Lisa, as it was two years ago, and it is totally different because I see it totally different, and I'm of service to God and my fellows, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you shared on Monday or Tuesday on any of the vision meetings, if you'll hold back, and who would like to share on those seven sentences that Nancy read? Melissa C. Melissa. Sherry Dara L. I got Shara, Sherry and I got Dara. Ken WH. Ken WH. Pete B. Uh, Pete B, I think. Anybody else? Okay, what I, oh, Rachel, okay, we'll stop there. Um, I have Melissa C. and Sherry, you'll have to give me the first initial of your last name, Sarah L., Ken W.H., Pete B., and Rachel. So, Melissa C., please share with us. Hi, good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much for your service. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered composer. Did you hit the reader P? Sorry, yeah. Sorry, Melissa. Yes, I got you. Go ahead. Hi. Did okay. you hear Dorita P? I got you, Dorita. Sorry for the interruption, Melissa. That's okay. No worries. Um, all good. Yeah. So, you know, I I really I relate entirely to the story of this man because um, that's my story. I remained bone dry for five years. You know, came to Overeaters Anonymous, found out about the allergy. And I had goals, and I set about my way um, <clears throat> to make my goals come to fruition. And, you know, my goals were to meet a man. That was my goal. I wanted to get married. Did you hear Dorita P? I wanted to get a good job. And um, here we got you, Dorita. <laughs> and um, and then, um, you know, I, I um, got those things. And my problem was that I thought, that my abstinence was a thin body. And I thought that the relationship that I needed to have was with abstinence. I thought that was my God and that my religion was a food plan. And those things are necessary. I need to be abstinent. I needed a food plan. But I failed to actually achieve the thing that was going to keep me from a mental twist. And so I went on my honeymoon and I thought I was normal, and I picked up something, and just like this guy, I was back, you know, I mean, in, in debilitating, um, crushing, uh, a, you know, consequences of this disease, because abstinence does not cure you from the mental twist, and I think that's the real thing here, because for me, I, I threw everything, every means to solve this problem was at my disposal. Only I thought the problem was that I lacked power, uh, not power, but I thought that my problem was that I lacked the um, 
abstinence. I thought my problem was that I lacked a thin body, but my problem was that I lacked I lacked a relationship with God, and I thought that I could actually outsmart a mental twist. See, I didn't understand that a mental twist um, took the control of the thing that I was using to solve all my problems, which was my brain. And I don't believe today that I have any more power over a mental twist. How's that? I have tons of information, thank you, God, over eight years of abstinence and recovery. But I know that I'm still powerless to the mental twist. And the only thing that can have any power over that is a relationship with God. And so every means at my disposal today is at forming that relationship with God. And that's where I place my emphasis. And with that, I'm abstinent and I'm recovered. And um, thanks with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Um, And Dorita P., I have you at the end of the list. And Sherry, you're up, followed by Dara L. And if you'll give me the first initial of your last name. I thought I had Sherry. I could be completely wrong about that. Uh, Sherry A., can I be heard? Okay, Sherry A., you can be. Please share with us. Uh, Thank you so much. My name is Sherry A., um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm so glad to be on the meeting this morning and to hear my story, um, especially, I think, um, the moment that he finds that he can't stop. Um, I think I, I, too, thought that somehow I could outsmart um, the disease so that I could look like other people on the outside. And I, I did approach looking like other people on the outside for a time. I thought I was controlling the food. Um, and I got more and more miserable and chaotic and confused on the inside um, because I wasn't, I just, I, um, I was making myself crazier without understanding um, that the disease was in my body and that I had to have something more than me to change me. And so I'm just really so grateful for the moment um, where I realized that there was nothing I could do um, and that this disease is always going to be in every cell of my body. My abstinence, uh, my abstinence is what this physical body needs. Um, and that um, today, um, I'm, I'm in my 40s. And um, I just, every day I'm grateful to wake up and know that this disease is in my body. Um, but that the solution um, every day, hopefully, um, um, for however many days I have uh, in this physical body, um, that it will be my higher power um, that leads me and guides me um, to take the next right action um, to keep me um, out of that space of thinking I am in charge and I can beat this um, because I can't. And I never will be able to 
Um, but um, I'm so grateful um, that miraculously my higher power um, is with me daily um, and that I'm able to be a sane, loving human. Um, and I'm not hurting my body anymore. Um, and I'm just grateful for not hurting my body like that every day. Um, and so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Sherry A. and Dara L., you're up, followed by Ken W.H. Hi, great. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you to um, Nancy for the lead share. Thank you to everyone who shared. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. I live in Philadelphia and um, just sitting here with tears in my eyes listening to the shares and reading the paragraph um, because as, as shameful as it is to admit, I forget that this is my story. You know, out came his carpet slippers in a bottle and, you know, the long period away from his substance and believing that that qualified him to drink like other people and then, you know, ending up dead. And, um, I mean, that definitely, definitely, definitely would have been my story and was, except the death part, you know, if I had two years of abstinence and I thought I was qualified to eat like other people or at least eat in the way I wanted. And I relapsed and I fell flat on my face and I crawled back to these rooms and had a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps and entire abstinence. And then again, two years later, I um, uh, <laughs> thought I was qualified to eat like I wanted to and, and fell flat on my face. It took me a little longer to crawl back into these rooms, but I did eventually um, had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps and, and a spiritual transformation. And then, you know, after about two years, I got that itch again and I walked away and it took me three years after that to pick up. So I had five years of entire abstinence. Um, and I thought that the problem, I always thought that the problem was food. I thought that the problem was, you know, um, my allergic substance. And if I just stayed away from that, it'd be okay. But my life got more and more and more unmanageable and the disease grew and grew and grew inside of me. And when I picked up again, it took a year and a half to get back here, you know, and within that time, my life really did look like out came my carpet slippers and a bo- you know and a bottle. I mean, I I just I don't understand functional addicts because I never was one. So what my disease looked like prior to coming back into these rooms was spending three hundred dollars a day on food, and all I did was go get food, and then I binged and purged. I watched television, and 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 that was my those were my days, you know. And some days when I didn't do it, I was just recovering from. Um, from the pain and, you know, like the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain, it was horrible. It's so excruciating. And, um, you know, and the guy talks about being dead within four years. I don't think I would have made it four years. Um, and I, I don't know, I mean, I'm not a history buff, but I, I know that people die of this disease and they die to escape this disease. And I think I was headed for one or the other eventuality. You know, I definitely, um, put my life and my health in such jeopardy as a result of of bulimia and I was powerless to stop that cycle. Um, And also, you know, I mean, I think I might've shared this in the past, but like my, my secret wish when I came back here was to lose 30 pounds so I could kill myself because I thought life was meaningless and I wanted to die, but I didn't want to be fat in my casket, you know? And so this disease takes me to really horrible places and I forget in recovery where it takes me. So I'm glad to be reminded of that and I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dara L. And Ken WH, you're up, followed by Pete B. 
Thank you so much. Good morning. <clears throat> I'm Ken WH, Recover Compulsive Eater from North Carolina. Um, <clears throat> we're in the chapter more about alcoholism, and, and so we're in those early stages, as, as I read. It's early stages, steps one and two. I have a feeling this fella got stuck on step two. Uh, he believed a lot of things. I believed a lot of things about myself. Um, I believed I could do just about anything. Um, I believed that, uh, came to believe. Uh, he believed that something could cure him, that somehow he could get cured, and I believed that too. But <clears throat> what I lacked was the faith that, in fact, uh, that something outside of myself would, in fact, be the solution. Um, so I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me, but I did not have a faith in that power, and that took a long time uh, to come to me. The reason I didn't have that faith is that, at least as I understand it, is that it's a, it was a grace, it's a gift. Faith to um, in a power greater than myself is, in fact, a gift from that power, and uh, I wasn't very good at receiving gifts uh, because I certainly wasn't worthy to receive them until... Um, that power greater than myself said, Ken, that's enough. Uh, you've had enough. Receive this gift. Let go. Receive it. You don't owe me anything in return for it. Just receive it. And then uh, here are some things that will help you. Uh, but I am the one. This is the God of my understanding saying, I am the one that will bring healing to you. So let go. Let go. Let go. You can't buy it. You can't come up with enough resources to to earn it yourself or buy it yourself. It cannot be bought. It is a gift. It is free. Uh, just relax, Ken, and uh, just take it in and let me go to work where you can't. And uh, my heart has been changed. I am a new person, and I am so, so grateful. I pass. Thank you, Ken W.H. And Pete B., you're up, followed by Rachel. Thank you, moderator. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater and recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And, uh, you know, th- this, this paragraph to me, it speaks, I feel like, exclusively to the, the, the amazing progressive nature of this significant condition that many of us share. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it says earlier, earlier on in the book, it says that uh, many, of us, many of us feel at certain times we could have stopped drinking, but, 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 but no one will, no, you know, but, but many of us won't, right? Like, and, and, and later on, it's going to say that whether or not somebody can recover on a spiritual or non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. So what this is telling me is that this gentleman, like many people, was a, a hard or moderate eater or hard or moderate drinker, was having some bad bouts. But if he saw that he had to do something about it, stopped entirely. But whether he drank or didn't, whether he was spiritual or non-spiritual, whether he was ego-driven or ambitious or whatever the case may be, whatever his practices were, this thing that exists in him progressed 
whether he drank or not, right? And that's the condition I have. Regardless of what I'm doing, regardless of how I'm acting, the condition continues to get worse, which, which makes it necessary, absolutely necessary, that I maintain my absence regardless of any condition, right? And the only way that I arrived at that conclusion, it wasn't by knowledge. It wasn't by, it wasn't by you know, learning it from the big book. It was by, 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 by having the, the merciless obsession removed by the God of my understanding and for me to work through this process and clear away the records of my past and growing my relationship with the, my higher power where I have been restored to sanity. We've learned, we learned to react sanely and normally because I live in a state of grace, right? So, so, so to me, it doesn't have, this has nothing to do with whether he was connected or not connected. And the fact of the matter is he, he realized he had a problem, he stopped drinking, but his condition worsened. And that's what's happening with me. Regardless of how spiritual I am or spiritual I'm not, regardless of how many 10 steps I do or don't do, I have a condition that gets worse and worse and worse, which absolutely insists that no matter what, under any and all conditions, I don't ingest those substances in any way, shape, or form. And I have to remember, just like this man, had this man continued not drinking, right, after he retired and took out his carpet slippers, he would never have gotten the phenomenon of craving and never gotten to the situation that he was in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Pete B. And Rachel, you're up. If you'll give me the first initial of your last name, followed by Dorita P. Good morning. This is Rachel P., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Pennsylvania. Thanks, everyone, for your service on this meeting. Um, when I read this paragraph, you know, I, I see that this man was not he, he was not accepting step one, you know, his powerlessness because, you know, he, he tried self-will over and over and over again and was convinced that that was the answer. You know, I, what I see in here is that he made so many other things his God. You know, not only was he not at step one, but he could not get to steps two and three either. Um, you know, he for 30 years, he made, you know, success career, business, you know, external things, you know, gratification from, you know, colleagues and family and whatnot, his God, it looks like. And, and then the insidiousness of the disease is that it, you know, it, one of the insidious aspects of the disease is that it, it's progressive, right? It gets worse, even if we're not, even if I'm not eating, even in these past, you know, handful of years that I've been recovered and not eating, that disease, as my sponsor always says, is in the parking lot doing push-ups. It's still there. It's still, you know, trying to, to get me and looking for an opportunity. And this guy, you know, for 30 years, he, he held it off. And so, you know, when he retired, you know, there's this insidiousness of I, I held off for 30 years. I was able to exercise self-will and self-control for 30 years. So, you know, he made self-will and self-management is God as well. And, and that's, that's what he did. That's what he tried. And sure enough, you know, he was dead in four years and, you know, 
for me, the disease, you know, just beat me down for at least 20 years of my life. Um, and I just thank God for that because it got me to a place of desperation where even though I did not want a God solution, I was so resistant to a God solution. Everything else I had tried, you know, I had, I had so much at my disposal, like this man, you know, I had money and not only money, I threw a lot of money at this. I threw so much, so much of my time at this, you know, just about every waking moment, you know, by the time I came into this program and was ready was was spent was occupied with the obsession of of what was I going to eat what was I not going to eat what had I eaten how can I work it off how can I restrict you know etc etc I threw so much at it and everything had failed and thank you God that for that that it beat me down so much that I had no choice but to accept you know this solution these beautiful 12 steps and understand that I can't make anything else. My God, I really do need a God. I need a higher power who can solve this problem for me. And so grateful to be carrying that message because it's the only thing that works in my experience. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel P. And Dorita P., you're up. Hi, family. My name is Dorita P. And I'm grateful to be here. I'm sorry, setting my timer. In my timer. Okay. My name is Dorita Pippen, and I'm uh, grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody did not get this opportunity for whatever reason, so I'm really, really grateful I have a seat here. Yeah, um, the man of 30. Um, yeah, I mean, it just reminds me that once, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, you know. Um, once a compulsive overeater, always a compulsive overeater. It never gets better. It always gets worse. And so I'm just really, really grateful that I have a seat here. Um, yeah. Um, you know, he he failed to enlarge his, um, well, Hold on a second. Give me a second. Hold on a second. Um, yeah, I know for me, I know for me, as time goes by, uh, I have to enlarge on my spiritual um, life or else, or else I'm doomed. So I'm just really grateful to have uh, a God of my understanding because without it, I would be doomed. Um, and so, um, I'm really grateful. Um, I have, uh, two, uh, brand new sponsors I'm working with and they're a gift. They're a gift. You know, uh, one of the guys talked about grace and that's what it's about. You know, life is about grace. You know, I can do what I do because I'm graced to do it. I can do what I do because I'm graced to do it. And people can do what they can do because they're graced to do it. So it look easy. Well, it, it, look, it look hard for them, but it's easy for the person who's actually doing it because they're graced to do it. So I'm just really grateful to be here. Uh, like I said, it's a privilege and honor to be in a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody 
do not get this opportunity for whatever reason. So I'm just really, really grateful that I have a, a see here. And um, I'm really grateful for Vision, too. Uh, Vision um, was started in Cleveland, Ohio. Most people don't know that. They think it was started in uh, 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 New Jersey. But it was actually started in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, by a guy named Andre Williams, you know, so people get it mixed up. But uh, I'm just so grateful for it because Vision, uh, Overeaters Anonymous, saved my life. You know, mm-hmm. saved my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Dorita P. And this morning we are on page 32 in the second paragraph. Beginning with the eight sentences, out came his carpet slippers and finishing that paragraph and it ends was dead within four years comments on those seven sentences so who else would like to share this morning terry j terry j barbara ronda j anita now okay let me tell you who i have and then we'll, we'll see i have terry j barbara e ronda Anita, who did I miss? Anybody else? Amy G. Amy. Jackie A. Christine C. G. Jackie. Okay, Jackie A. And let's start. Stop there. Christine C. G. Okay. Um, so you may have to give me your last initial, but I have. Terry J, Barbara E, Rhonda, Anita L, Amy G, Jackie A, and Christine C G. So Terry J, please share with us. Good morning again. I'm this is Terry J in Michigan. Grateful to be able to come to a, a meeting that has done so much for me. And it's not the meeting, it's the people on the meeting. So I'm grateful for everybody, everybody, everybody. Uh, Somebody told me uh, a while ago, eat the meat and throw away the bones, and that's what I do. No pun intended, but seriously, when I look at this paragraph, um, I can so identify even with it today. You know, even being abstinent today, for 30 days, which is a miracle for me, and I've been in the room since 2012, had some abstinence, gave it back, went out and did some more research and have struggled to get back. So 30 days is a miracle for me. And when I look at this paragraph, I still see the commercials on TV. That just really just messes me up at times, you know, and the thought goes through my head. You know, they got this one going, and you get a check, and this one going, and that one going, and all of those that have been around for so many years. And I know, I know the compulsive overeater inside of me, the abstinent person today understands that none of that will work, even though for a minute, you know, I get those itching ears and want to find a way to eat successfully without impunity. And that just doesn't happen because I am no longer a cucumber. I remain a pickle each and every day. 
And I'm glad, glad, glad for this process, for these 12 steps, the traditions, every part of the program uh, for our great granddaddy, for me, because I've been, I'm in other programs, the program of um, that started the whole thing for Bill, all the work that he put in. Uh, I'm grateful because it's still trickling down to me today. Uh, the steps have a purpose, having a power greater than me that I call God, that I have to surrender to not just every day, every second. Every single second, because, again, my mind will start wandering, and I have to reel it back in and surrender to God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I can't change that I'm a compulsive overeater. But God, with God, I'm manageable just for this moment, just for this second. I don't even worry about down the road, just don't eat right now. Don't pick up anything right now, Terry, that you know is a trigger food for you. You know, everybody's list is different. Thank you. Everybody's list is different. I know what's on my list, and that's what I have to abide by. Thank God for this program. Thank God for being a part in my life, and I'll pass. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Terry J. And Barbara E., you're up, followed by Rhonda. I'm sorry, did you call on me? I did. Oh, okay. Well, as I reflect on the things that I've done well and the things that I could have done better and the things that I'll try to do better in this new year for me, I think the worst words that anyone can say is, I got it now. I know those words and those thoughts, and I was wrong. I white-knuckled my way through Weight Watchers camp. I white-knuckled it as a teenager. I white-knuckled it in college so I could get a boyfriend. I white-knuckled it as a young mother. But I didn't understand that I had a disease and and an inability to make same decisions. I had this allergy to eating certain foods and sneaking down at night. I was a ninja binger, sneaking down when everyone was sleeping. I wish I'd known when I was younger, what I know today, that not too many young people like to believe, and I truly believed, I could quit at any time, and time after time I was wrong. My experience that willpower, want power, didn't solve my problem. And like the man of 55, I believed we both were focused on our goals. But once the goal was accomplished, we could relax. And he, in his slippers, and me with my various goals, accomplished and took a deep breath and indeed relax and say those words I just said before, I got it now. If I knew then what I know today, I would have known and acted differently. I was young and stupid. Now I'm old and stupid, but I won't let this disease kill me. The allergy and the mental twist that I didn't understand, that I could never win the battles against, 
the disease without a power with a capital P, that I was as helpless as a newborn baby, and I'm particularly grateful that they have included the stories of women and young people in the back of the book so that young people might identify sooner and be affected by their stories, that we have a compulsion and that age is irrelevant and that perhaps it will encourage younger people to say, yes, I'm like that too and commence this journey with us and perhaps save them from a lifetime of misery, vain attempts, and perhaps even worse. Bless you on this holiday. I wish you all good things, whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Catholic. This can be a new beginning for everyone. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And Rhonda, if you'll give me the first initial of your last name, you're up, followed by Anita L. Hi, this is Rhonda J. from Washington, D.C. Can you hear me? I can. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, moderator. Um, I so appreciate this fantastic reading and all the shares and this great meeting. I listen to this meeting a lot. I don't often uh, share, but uh, I really love this story. Um, it's just such a good reminder for me, as others have shared, that uh, the disease is always progressing. Uh, my disease of um, compulsive overeating, of food addiction, is always progressing and looking for a way uh, for me to to want to check out, check out into the food and. I saw something recently online, you know, people go to restaurants and they take pictures of their food and I don't do that. Um, and someone was taking pictures of food at a very, very fancy restaurant. And I just chuckled to myself thinking, you know, if I went out there and ate whatever they were eating, which wasn't something that I could have eaten with impunity, uh, that's not what I would have eaten. I would not have gone to, I would not be at some kind of five-star place eating a fancy meal. I would be right back at the 7-Eleven, uh, down the box in the bag aisles, you know, stuffing my face because I am not a regular person when it comes to food. I am a food addict um, and I have a disease that's waiting for me to jump back into it in with all with both feet and all hands and in a really destructive way. And um, I've been abstinent by the grace of God and the 12 steps for over two decades, I've just reached 26 years of abstinence and I'm 52 years old. I came into this program when I was 25. Um, a lot, a lot has happened in my life, good and bad over those two plus decades that I could have eaten over and, um, and I would have been right back out there. Um, I love also this story of someone with so much ego um, thinking that um, you know accomplishing things and getting a lot of money was going to was going to fulfill him and learning and learning on the other side of that 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 wasn't true. I've 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 been around a long time and I've seen that happen. I've seen people you know stay out of their uh, disease or their substance for a long time and then go back into it and and end up dead or end up living under a bridge. And thank you God because of the twelve steps, because of the big book, because of sponsorship. Uh, because of abstinence, I have no illusions today. I have no illusions um, that this disease will not take me out. I have a life second to none. I have so much to lose. I am so grateful 
for all that my higher power has given to me as a result of being in recovery. And there's nothing out there in the food uh, that's going to replace this amazing God-centered blessed life. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rhonda J. And Anita L., you're up, followed by Amy G. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Grateful, very grateful and humbled today because I'm keeping my higher power close one day at a time. And uh, I finally, finally have recognized how important that is, taking it one day at a time. Uh, There's so much I could share. I love this story. Um, I've shared about it through the years, you know. Oh, it's the carpet slipper guy. You know, you remember that, you know. He picked up after 25 years and was dead within four. And that could be me. Um, I've seen that this disease, uh, the disease of addiction, not just compulsive eating. My sister died being a compulsive overeater. I gave her a a, uh, 12 and 12 from OA. She already had a big book being in another program, but she just didn't want to put the food down enough and she was dead of a massive stroke and my daughter was an addict and died of her addiction so it is a killing disease and I'm grateful that for today that I recognize that fact and know that there is a solution and it's a spiritual one and I thought I had it Over all those years, you know, having years of recovery and sponsoring all these people and reading the big book with everybody daily, uh, sometimes multiple times a day, I thought I really had it. And then I took that first bite for whatever reason. And I was right back in it again. I was right back into the disease. And today... I'm different. Today, I recognize that I must increase my spiritual life. And I do that by beginning my day, getting up very early and taking time out for an hour or so of prayer and meditation and writing with my higher power and my meditation partner first. And um, I I hope I don't run out of time, but uh, this past week I went to Canada and uh, I went for my son's engagement party, which is a miracle, thank you, God. And I was afraid to bring any type of food over the border, especially fruits and vegetables, which I know you can't do. So instead of bringing my food, I brought my big book my notebook that I do my meditation writing in to my higher power and thanks and I brought my time and daily prayed and meditated with my partner I didn't forget that and started every day and then went to a grocery store to get the food that I needed so that I could be happy joyous and free And for today, I've come back home happy, joyous, free, and able to carry the message. So thank you. Take care. 
Have a great day. Thank you, Anita L. And Amy G., you'll be our last share today. So Jackie A. and Christine C.G., if you'll hold on to the next meeting. Amy G., please share with us. Great. Thank you. Hello, all. Thank you for an awesome meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Grateful to get in under the wire here. What these sentences remind me of is the fact that although abstinence is a prerequisite, I mean, I didn't make that up. We talked about that in the doc op, entire abstinence, that it is, it's, it's essential, but it's not sufficient, right? Because just because I am a compulsive eater and I'm abstinent. I'm not addressing the inner malady. I mean, I could be not eating and still act like a compulsive eater. As others have said, this is a spiritual malady. I need a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. I mean, more about alcoholism. It talks about it on page, um, in, I'm sorry, uh, in There is a Solution. It says, they appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. I needed to change my entire way of how I thought about life, and how do I do that? Through the process of putting the food down and working these 12 steps so I can connect to a power that will help bring me the spiritual experience and the personality change that is sufficient so that I don't walk around as a dry drunk, right? Because I still have all of those old ideas and character defects and selfish and self-centered behaviors, whether I am eating or I am not eating. I mean, the book talks about, you know, the person who thinks he can still at some point drink is like a kid whistling in the dark, hoping to not be afraid of, you know, not to be afraid, but would give anything to have another drink. And, and this is the goal. He falls, this is this guy's goal, in my humble opinion. He falls victim to the belief that at some point he's going to be able to control his drinking, whether it's tomorrow or 30 years from now. And that's the same thing for me. Because of the physical allergy, it doesn't matter if I eat yesterday, tomorrow, or 30 years from now, I'm still going to have the allergic reaction which is a phenomenon of craving for more, but I'm also still going to have the spiritual malady unless I address it via the 12 steps and connecting to a power greater than myself. This disease is progressive, permanent, and fatal. Today, tomorrow, 30 years from now for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. <clears throat> and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us <clears throat> for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 19,481. That's 19481. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Christine C.G., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God 
as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.